Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Win Today podcast. My name is Ryan Cass, and I am your host. Our mission is to inspire people to win today by connecting with amazing leaders and sharing amazing stories. This is episode number 14 on season number two, and I apologize first and foremost for the delay, taking a little break this month in producing content and the podcast had some things going on in the background been a little stressed out very stressed out actually with a few personal items and and balancing a pretty rigorous workload right now so that's what's going on and that's why there's been a little bit of a delay but I do embrace these situations in life because I know that as a result, I'll become stronger, better, tougher, and more prepared for these situations as they arise in the future. Because it's inevitable that throughout the course of life, our lives, we're going to endure and face many stressful moments and I look at them as opportunities, as I've shared on previous podcasts. That's, that's how my mind works. That's how I've trained my mind to look at these situations that bring a lot of stress as simply opportunities. So I can smile. I am smiling as I'm saying this, even though there's some things that, again, not the greatest, but it's going to make me better. So, so yeah, embrace it. So on this episode, I'm going to get a little vulnerable with y'all again. That's one thing that I've loved about this podcast and this brand is that it has pushed me outside of my comfort zone and I've pretty much opened up to uh, anything and everything that I've experienced. Uh, This isn't going to be about what's been going on recently, but uh, this is going to be talking about some a recent experience that I had at a speaking engagement and tying that into another element of my past that I haven't shared much with this audience about. So I'm really excited. I was offered the opportunity to speak at College of Charleston at their School of Business at their first Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, and Belonging conference. This was in March, so earlier last month. And at first, I was hesitant to take on the opportunity just because I've never really spoken much about diversity before. It's not my wheelhouse. My wheelhouse is personal development, goal setting, overcoming obstacles, being tough, building toughness, you name it. But I'm not very well versed on the topic of diversity. Obviously, I value it and respect it. It's important, but I don't like to speak on things unless I'm, I feel very well versed and educated. And I'm not saying I don't hear, but as it relates to you know, all of the social initiatives around diversity, equity, and inclusion, I'm not as well uh, in tune with, with everything going on just because I choose to do more personal development reading than anything else. So when I was thinking about the opportunity a little bit more, two things came to mind. One, I knew that this was the right thing to do because I was a little hesitant 
and it made me feel uncomfortable. And I talk all the time about embracing being uncomfortable, that being uncomfortable is a good thing. And we should want that. We should want those experiences. We should want to feel uncomfortable because at the other side, there is always growth. There is always improvement. There is always good things to come from getting outside of your comfort zone. So that in itself made me make the decision that, yes, I will take on this opportunity and I'll go speak at the uh, Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, and Belonging Conference. Secondly, it made me think about my, my life and my childhood. And one thing that you may not know about me, especially by looking at me, is that there's actually a lot of foreign blood that runs through my veins. So my mother was born in Colombia, South America, not South Carolina, to a Swiss father. And a fun fact is that my mom, pretty much the majority of my mom's side of the family, including uh, my sister and my mom, aunt, cousins, uh, we all have dual citizenship between the US and Switzerland. So I do have a diverse background. And if you meet my mom, hear my mom speak, uh, she's got a very thick accent. I can't really hear it just because I've heard her speak so many times, but my friends always tell me, they say, you know, Ryan, it sounds like your mom talks like this. Yeah, she likes to ask, how you doing? <laughs> and I can't really hear that myself. So I just, I guess I've been used to her twang for the last 29 years now. So getting into the message, I want to share, I'm going to share some things that I experienced in my youth growing up and things that still come up occasionally, but primarily experienced in my youth. And then I'm going to tie that to the two items that I shared during the speech at College of Charleston. So the two things, those being number one, seek to understand, and number two, everybody matters. So when I think about diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, those are the two things that come to mind for me. Seek to understand and everybody matters. So a little bit about my experience growing up and why this is actually closer to my heart than I, than I thought. So I've shared a lot about why I do what I do because of things that I experienced growing up. But one thing that I haven't shared or another piece that I haven't connected about why I love people and value all backgrounds is number one. Yeah, I have a mother from a foreign country and I'm so grateful for the fact now looking back that she always, always, always reminded my sister and I about how important it is to value other cultures and respect people regardless of what they look like, where they come from, how they speak, how they dress, what they like to eat, what their hobbies are, everything. So mom, thank you. I appreciate it. And the lessons that you shared early on that sometimes didn't always appear to make sense, have they make a whole lot of sense now. And I'm often reminded of all of the things that you told Kina and I. So thank you. And you are right. Even when I thought you were wrong sometimes or thought this is over the top, but thank you. So things that we experienced growing up, I grew, we grew up in Southern California 
live just north of Los Angeles in a middle-class area, but primarily white neighborhood, Caucasian neighborhood. And a lot of folks in the surrounding areas were very wealthy. I do not come from wealth by any means, but uh, parents did work very hard. Dad did work very hard running restaurants. So I would say we were just middle of the pack from the, from the outside. And with that, I was fortunate enough to actually learn just as much Spanish as I did English growing up. My mother is trilingual. So heard a mix of English, Spanish, and Italian at the house. And in my early years, my first words actually were just as much in Spanish as they were English. I believe the first word was uh, helicopter. So helicóptero. <laughs> I can imagine my little self saying that now. So in California, though, uh, being very close to the border and in a primarily Caucasian area, there were a lot of people that would make assumptions. I would often get approached just because, especially my mom and I are definitely more tan than my dad and sister. Sorry, guys, but just the fact. And we'd often get approached. I would get approached at school and kids would ask me, you know, hey, did you jump the border? And they'd make fun of me for speaking Spanish. And I would come home and ask my mom, hey, did we jump the border? And my mom, my mom's scratching her head. What the heck? And that's what these kids were saying at school. You know, hey, you're a border jumper, beaner, wet back, all the names. And so that made me not want to speak Spanish anymore. And looking back, you know, knowing what I know now and how valuable it is to learn multiple languages, I would have never let that stop me. And knowing what I know now about mindset and people are making fun of you. I love if people make fun of me now. It just makes me better. So I welcome it. You want to make fun of me? Go ahead, man. You're going to make me better. So I stopped speaking Spanish and this, this happened a lot. It would, people would come up to my mom while she was watching my sister and I play in the park and ask her, you know, how much are you getting paid to babysit those kids? Because they assumed that, okay, this is the Hispanic babysitter that can't speak English. And my mom would respond in English. No, those are my kids. And people would often be astounded. Another thing was that our next door neighbors, when we first moved to the house in, in the cul-de-sac, they didn't speak to my mom for the first six months because they assumed, oh, we thought you were the cleaning lady. And knowing what I know now, it's just so freaking messed up. And another thing is even moving to South Carolina, I can't tell you how many times people have come up to me and asked me, hey, do you speak, do you speak Mexican? And, and at first, you know, it just, it really upset me, especially in my teenage years and people would just make an assumption that, you know, you see someone with a little more tan skin that, oh, they must be Mexican or their mom's got an accent. So yeah, they're definitely Mexicans. And it used to really upset me. Actually, it used to really upset me. I would get down on it and uh, it's something now that, you know, is in my, in my cookie jar that I like to reference, but that was another thing in my life that I experienced from early years to even now people make assumptions. Sometimes they'll look at me and now that I've got a beard, I get a wide range of guesses, but still the occasional uh, person will default to Mexican just because they think they hear the, they hear Spanish, uh, if I'm talking to my mom or my grandmother, and I'm in a public place and 
and they hear me speak in Spanish. Hey, you Mexican? I'm not. I don't speak Mexican. That's not a language. I'm Colombian, Swiss, Italian, and I can speak Spanish. But thank you very much. There are more than just one Spanish-speaking country in the world. So that was a lot of what I've experienced and, and still do to this day, but it doesn't get to me. What I do now is use it as an opportunity to, to educate people. So we encounter thousands of people throughout the course of our lives. I don't know the exact stat, but I would venture to guess that throughout the course of a normal lifespan, we easily meet over a quarter of a million people or interact with a quarter of a million people. And with that, those people are coming from all over the world, every walk of life, every race, every, every socioeconomic background, every financial background, you name it. And this is my first lesson that I shared with the folks from College of Charleston and that I believe is very important just in our day-to-day lives. And that is seek to understand. We are often so quick to look at someone and make an assumption as, as I experienced growing up, looking at my mom or my sister and I and thinking, oh, there's, there's a, some Mexicans playing in the park. It's like, no, seek to understand. Hey, where are you from? Oh, you're from Colombia. Oh, wow. Where is that? Or that's so cool. I've never met someone from Colombia. I think that this goes a really long way. And this also expands far beyond race too. I know I'm focusing a lot on race nationality right now, but I believe that this world would be in a lot, on a lot better terms right now if people just took time to ask why or ask, you know, what has influenced you to believe in the things that you do? I'll share a story from my, my current employer at, at Boeing. There was someone that sat next to me that was, uh, and this was during the election time, very far left-leaning. And a lot of people would, you know, bash this person in the office. And, you know, South Carolina is a very, very much a conservative state. And this person was very far left and was vocal about their opinions. And I myself, sometimes I, I don't lean left. That's all I'll, I'll do not lean far left. That's all I'll say. This is not a political podcast, but um, I did not share the same viewpoint as this person on many things. And rather than bash the person because I didn't believe in what they believe in, I'll, I'll never forget we were there around five o'clock one day and I talked to him for about an hour and I asked him, I said, hey, I'm curious, why do you have the political beliefs that you do? What, what influenced that? I'm curious. I'd like to understand. And we had a great conversation and he actually mentioned that a lot of his beliefs for you know how we should run our country and how people should be treated, how uh, resources should, should be made should be made available to people, actually stems from a lot of the work that his family does, and he's got a an amazing family, and so with that, some people can be you could be potentially shrugging off one of your future best friends or. Who knows? Future spouse, future wife, uh, because you don't share a common belief with them or you disagree with 
what they believe in without even asking why they believe in that thing or what has influenced them to have the belief that they do. So as it relates to DE and I seek to understand, and you can do that simply by asking two questions, ask why and ask what influenced you or who influenced you. Ask someone where they're from. If you're not familiar with their nationality, don't look at an Asian person and assume that they're Chinese or think about this too. You know, one thing that I like to make sure of before I, let's say I'm going to an Asian restaurant, right? And, and notice how I mentioned an Asian restaurant. I'd like to take a look at, hey, where's the menu from? Oh, this is actually a, a Vietnamese inspired restaurant. Awesome. Versus, oh yeah, it's just another Chinese restaurant. Think of someone who is actually from China and how they would feel if you were calling Vietnamese food Chinese food. I know I'm only referencing food to keep it simple, but I believe you get the point here that as you encounter people that look different than you or speak different than you, have a different belief than you, seek to understand because having been on being on the other side of the fence, it's hurtful with, and many people don't realize it, but it's hurtful when someone comes up and, and makes an assumption of, hey, are you from Mexico? It, it drives me absolutely nuts. And I believe that this is something that uh, creates a lot of turmoil in this world, especially in this country, that folks do not seek to understand. So if I inspire anything from this message, it's make sure you take time to ask because you never know what the person on the other side is feeling or where they're really from or why they believe in what they believe in. And the intent here or the goal here isn't to align with everyone's beliefs, but rather to simply understand, seek to understand. Point number two is that everybody matters. And I believe that everybody matters regardless of race, socioeconomic background, financial background, title, you name it. Everybody matters, simply put. And I say that a lot. I've been saying that for a very long time. But one thing that really amplified that for me is reading a book called Everybody Matters. It's something that it's a book that a mentor of mine gave me a few years ago and told me to read it. And I've read it through it a few times. And it's it highlights the story of what once was a struggling conglomerate company, uh, Barry Wee Miller, and the transformation of it. So Bob Chapman, legendary CEO, uh, basically took over this, this company, this conglomerate, BW, and turned it into a, you know, they were making, I believe they were about a $30 million or a hundred, anywhere between 30 to a hundred million dollar enterprise. And Bob Chapman and his team transformed it into a $1.7 billion manufacturing company. And the coolest part about that is they did this without making a bunch of capital investments or uh, tons and ton, you know, tons of acquisitions or new technology integration. They transformed this conglomerate primarily from focusing on people and shifting how people are treated and creating a true everybody matters culture. So 
I love, absolutely love it. And if you're looking for a good book, I highly recommend it. Everybody Matters by Bob Chapman. One, one story that stood out to me in particular in this book, and I'm going to reference this reading through it. Uh, this is from Bob Chapman's words. Everybody truly does matter. No idea could be simpler or more powerful. It is an idea that has unlimited potential because people have unlimited potential to surprise, delight, and elevate themselves, each other, and all the world. Listen to the words of a young lady named Nikki Louder, child of a child, <clears throat> child of a drug-addicted mother made pregnant by her mother's boyfriend, a runaway living on the street, sleeping under bridges, scared, completely alone, who one day discovered an organization called Every Monday Matters, where she finally heard the words, you matter. This is Nikki's words now. The words, you matter, changed everything about me. I'd never heard from anybody that I mattered. It was the most significant, altering moment of my life. Every child needs to hear that they matter. They need to hear it at breakfast. They need to hear it at lunch. They need to hear it at dinner. It's something that should be written on postcards and sent to everybody. You should have to say it twice a day. It's literally like just saying, I love you. It's that intention. And now if it's in every school and it's with every child, now it gets passed to the home life and now it's with every brother and it's with every sister. And now it gets passed to their parents and now it's with every mom and with every dad. And now it gets passed to their workplace and now it's with their coworkers and their boss. It's just this virus of love that could be spread with two words. That's powerful. And a few things speak to me here. One it's simple as two words, as Nikki says, everybody matters and telling someone, hey, you matter. Saying hey to someone, saying hey to the janitor, saying hey to the random person at the grocery store. You know, you can say you matter, but even showing someone that you care or holding the door open for someone, regardless of, you know, if it's the CEO walking through or the janitor walking through, you're telling that person without telling them, hey, you matter. I care about you. And please walk through. The next thing is that what she just mentioned is there's a compound effect that's created with all of our actions. So think about going back to the first point about seeking to understand why people do what they do. Maybe they've been ingrained with this belief growing up, or maybe they do the things they do because someone at home does the things that they do. So think about it like this. And I often say that change in the world truly starts with helping one person by telling one person, Hey, you matter, or by giving one person the time of day to, to speak or to say, Hey, to them, that's how we can change the world folks. So I believe that when it comes to this difficult topic at times of diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging it, to me, it's really as simple as the two principles of seek to understand and know that everybody matters. Simple as that. I love when I walk people when I walk people around at the Boeing company, especially new employees, and show them the airplane and show them how everything comes together. But my favorite part is introducing them to the mechanics. And I love it because one, the mechanics are the most knowledgeable people that we have contrary to what you would see on an organization chart, because the mechanic is actually at the bottom of the organization chart, yet they're responsible for assembling these $300 million plus jets that we get to 
to look at and see here every day in Charleston, South Carolina, the 787 Dreamliner. But what I tell these new employees after we walk away from meeting the mechanics, I tell them that the most important person that you'll ever meet at this company is the one that you just met or the group of mechanics that you just met. You can meet the CEO, but they're not going to be, the CEO is not more important than the mechanic. They're, they're on the same playing field. And some people scratch their heads when I say that, but I truly do believe that everybody on the org chart, regardless of where you fall, whether you're at the top, middle, bottom, almost at the top, almost at the bottom, is that you are equally as important as the person to your left, to your right, below you, above you. And I believe that it's our duty, regardless of whatever your position is, but especially if you're a leader, it's our duty, it's your duty to truly care for your people, get to know them, get to know about their nationality. Don't look at them and assume because they have an accent that they must be from Mexico or China. Seek to understand and know that everybody matters. And that's how we can make this world a better place. That's how we can influence other people to care more about the folks around them. It starts with you. It starts with you that is listening here right now. It is my wish that later today or whenever you listen to this, that you say hey to someone that you haven't talked to before. You ask someone where they're from. You get to know something about someone that looks different than you. That's all I got, folks. I'm super pumped. We're, we're back in action on the podcast. I've got a few awesome guests that are, that are lined up. So we are back, ready to roll. And I appreciate y'all's support. Please keep it coming. If there's anything that can be done more, better, less, let me know. And if you like what you're hearing, show some love on Apple and Spotify. Big things coming back in action. Seek to understand and know that everybody matters and win today. Thanks for tuning in.